Welcome back to Locked On NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we thank you for making us your first listen today. Check out one of our other shows, either the 49ers show over there or my show, the Chiefs show. Uh, We have a lot to go over. We're going to talk about our draft debate cycle is continuing like you saw last week, but this time it's the cornerbacks. The rookies, maybe we'll go back in time a little bit, how they fared, where our guys are. This draft debate is coming at you right now on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, I'm joined by my guy, Ryan Tracy. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm hanging in. Um, does that song make you want to play air drums? Because it makes me want to do it every time. I can't all get the time, and I can't. <laughs> I, I can't play drums for anything. I'm not coordinated enough. I've always wondered, like, how do people do that? Like, how do you move your feet and your hands to like a totally different like beat and tune? And I, I, I was just not born to play any instruments or anything like that. I, I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. And I, I have no idea how I was able to play cornerback even at a high level. <laughs> no, I have no idea how. Shoulders going one way, hips going the other. I can I can Man. sing and play guitar, but I can't play drums for nothing. It's terrible. I can't even sing and and hold a beat banging on the table. I'll start getting all yeah. off rhythm. Uh, but speaking <laughs> of cornerbacks, you talked about me playing corner, and we're getting into kind of revisiting this previous class, the class of two thousand twenty-one. Some of these corners, how we viewed them, and kind of pin them against each other. All right, mm-hmm. have a debate, and we have our guys. We have them ranked different, so we'll talk through that and. We're going to start with Patrick Sertan against J.C. Horn. All right. Now, I had J.C. Horn my number one corner. All right. Uh-huh. But you had Patrick Sertan your number one guy. So let's hear first. Why did you have Sertan uh, first? I, I really felt like he was well-rounded. And, and I I thought he could play in zone comfortably. I thought he's good in, in man, you know, up to about – 15 everyone's was really concerned with his long speed right but I felt that he could be physical enough in the first 10 to 15 yards to not really get burnt over the top I wasn't that concerned about it and quite frankly I'd rather somebody win early in the route than than play off and let just let people run by you so I liked yeah. what he had I think it is definitely fortunate that he ended up with Fangio in Denver though because that that is a significant aspect to it if he was asked to play off all the time in man and not have that zone responsibility, I think he probably would be exposed a little bit more. So uh, I, I think he probably got the benefit of being in that scheme. Yeah, and that was but something you that worried me top, a little bit. Right? I had Horn at the top. And something that worried me a little bit with Sertan was he wasn't as twitchy or sudden as I would like, and I didn't see kind of that chase and pay, change of pace within routes. So if he was beat off the line of scrimmage from a guy, which he rarely was, his technique was tremendous. Mm-hmm. But – if he was beat off of the line of scrimmage, felt like he had kind of a tough time recovering. And there were a lot of people that thought, you know, they were questioning his deep speed. And I'm like, now nah, I'm watching him run vertically with guys, no issues. But just that twitchiness and that suddenness, and I get it, big guy, 6'2", 208 pounds. I think that's what he weighed in at the combine. So if he wasn't the most sudden, that's to be expected. But uh, I was a little worried, to, you know, if he had to play more off coverage. But, I mean, even that hasn't been an issue with Denver Broncos. I think he's transitioned extremely well. Maybe having a father who played the position 
that could possibly Maybe. be helping him and making him transition a little easier. Uh, you know, quick little story. Him, Tyson Campbell, Marco Wilson, and uh, gosh, what was that receiver from, from Auburn? The fast one, Anthony Schwartz. Schwartz. They all played in the same secondary in high school. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Tyson Campbell, Marco Wilson, Patrick Satan, and Anthony Schwartz all played in the same secondary high school. Clearly, they were really good, right? <laughs> Talking about That'll lose your job drafted, as but, a coordinator. <laughs> I know, right? But, but you know, you talked about me having J.C. Horn, and I was really big on J.C. Horn. Uh, I just loved his kind of like scrappiness. He kind of reminded me mm-hmm. of a jackrabbit, uh, Janoris Jenkins, where mm-hmm. Janoris Jenkins maybe wasn't the most technically refined, but he just brought this like this edginess, this scrappiness, and this willingness to go above and beyond the guard guys at any uh, area, whether he was big, whether he was small. I thought he did a terrific job, even against guys like Elijah Moore, who you would think that Moore would just like eat him up. And I mean, he had, what was it like? I don't know. It was like in two years, seven catches for like 50 yards, you know? Yeah. So there it was a lot of it was underneath stuff where there wasn't that big yards after catch. Did see, uh, we did see uh, uh, JC Horn struggle a little bit with uh, Devontae Smith, who I think a lot of people struggle with Devontae Smith covering him <laughs> yeah. in college. But uh, J.C. Horn, man, he was like this alpha, right? And I have one of my guys I played on the Jets with, uh, my guy John Griffin. He had he would he would message me all the time. Every time there was a he he coached at South Carolina, but he was you know he played on the Jets with me. He was a running back, mm-hmm. but he was every time there was a South Carolina guy coming out, he'd tell me like, "Crap, God, look at this guy. I mean, this guy's the leader. He came in day one as a freshman and was the leader of the secondary. He's an alpha. He's everything you want in the corner." He said, "Everybody's talking about the big guy." Uh, you yep. know, number 24, everybody's talking about him, but he was like, JC Horn. He was like, Croc, I'm telling you, that's the one. And everything that he said, I was able to see that on the film. So that was kind of ultimately how I transitioned from, you know, looking at, okay, I see certain, you know, I know Caleb Farley, everybody's talking about Caleb Farley being the guy, but mm-hmm. JC Horn, he just had certain things that you can't teach. I can teach you technique, but I can't, sure. I can't teach that alpha male personality that you know walk into the room and like demand ding everybody's respect and everything like that as well as putting out terrific film and having the body testing out the roof and when he had his pro day and they asked about hey uh you know what you think about Patrick Sertain like did that give you any incentive to do better Patrick Sertain had just had his pro day like two days prior two days before said, right yeah he said uh no I'm the standard and I said, oh, man, <laughs> I like this guy. I like this guy. So J.C. Horn, man, like just a lot of it. And it's unfortunate. We'll talk about where these guys are a little bit later right now. But, uh, yeah, J.C. Horn, that was my number one guy. Man, this was a tough decision for me, especially because I – if you guys don't know, I run Rogue Analytics. I built the athletic matrix. It is the the evolution of how you measure athleticism, right? It's, it's hard for me to go against that. And Horn was clearly – the better score in the matrix than Sertan was. But when I put it all together, um, by the way, Marco Wilson was number one in the corner class in the, in that matrix. Oh yeah. Freak Uh, easily. Uh, But for me, like going against that, it comes back to like the decision that I made three, four years before that between Mahomes and Watson. Right. I ended up taking the guy that I thought was more even keeled and was more apt to not be like, have the super high highs, but not have the lows. And I ended up putting Sertan up top because that was the only thing about Horn is like super aggressive, great in the press, right? But when he lost, he got behind, and that was the thing. Yeah. So I took the even keel guy. 
right. Now we're gonna keep going with this. We're gonna get into a couple other guys, right? That were, people were debating about Caleb Farley and uh, Greg Newsom. I think he was kind of the underrated guy. And I think I had him a little <laughs> higher than a lot of other people. All right, so we're gonna get into all that next. You know what? I love Thanksgiving and all of the food and treats, and there are plenty of them at Thanksgiving. But uh, maybe you're wanting a yummy dessert that isn't full of calories and sugar. And we already know Built Bar is the perfect thing for you. It's a new holiday dessert, or at least it should be. Feast on something that's delicious, and you're going to feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and it's low, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars, 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein, which is the best part about it. Replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut Built Bar or a raspberry Built Bar instead of a raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any type of pie that you like. And they are low in calorie low in carb, low in fat, and high in protein, covered with 100% real chocolate. So Built Bar is a great option when you're hungry at Thanksgiving. And if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, doesn't matter. Go get a Built Bar or two right now and, you know, share some with your family at gatherings. If you have a, a auntie and you want her to try it, yeah, suggest it to her as well. And all this month, new surprises, limited flavors that'll be arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site early and often. There's nothing like, you know, a Black uh, Black Friday sale with Built Bar. So mark your calendar for Black Friday where there will be huge events with all sorts of surprises. So what are you guys going to do? You're going to go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% on your order. All right? Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of Built.com right now. Go do that. All right, man, we got to talk about the next guys, okay? And I get a little excited talking about Greg Newsom, and I am excited about what he's doing right now at the NFL level. We're going to get to that. But Greg Newsom, I actually had him as my CB2, all right? And I'm, I'm definitely curious to, you know, hear where he stacked up with your rogue analytics, but just watching him, one, I don't – and this is one thing you guys will really find out about me uh, come draft time when we really start digging into a lot of these prospects. I don't look at any measurements – before watching their film. I want to go mm -hmm. in with like this clean slate and I want the film to tell me who this guy is. So Greg Newsom, I'm watching him and I'm like, okay, wow, it looks about 5'10", 185 pounds or so. Doesn't really look big. I'm watching how he moves. I'm like, oh, he's, he's a terrific movement guy. His feet are terrific. He's a good press. He's good off. I'm watching how he challenged himself in space, his change of direction, the hips the turn and run, his scrappiness, how he was getting in guys' faces. We just watched Bill from Purdue just go off on some guys, right? I watched Bill from Purdue against Greg Newsom. Oh, man, mm -hmm. I mean, one of Greg Newsom's probably best games. I think his biggest issue that a lot of people had with him was there were some injuries or whatnot. But I, I loved his film so much that I actually, and I tweeted this out, I felt like he had the best, most scheme-versatile film that was out there. So then he goes to his pro day, and I find out the guy is like six foot one, 190 something pounds, which is great. If you are somebody to me, when I'm looking at corners, if you move like a smaller guy, but you have good size, that's a huge plus for me. To, yeah. to find out that he uh, measured in with those measurables, loved it. Then he went and ran a terrific 40 time, ran in the four threes. And I thought watching him on film, I, you know, I don't know if he's a true four three, you know, a lot of these, uh, the pro day numbers were a little janky a yeah. little bit, but I did think he played 
fast enough, right? Like I was like, he has good speed. Guys aren't just getting behind him. He's not struggling to keep up with guys. So he was the total package. That was a guy who I was extremely high on. If it and if it weren't for JC Horn having that extreme alpha male mentality, leadership, all that that he brings that you just can't teach, I probably would have had Greg Newsom as my CB one. Wow, that's 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 impressive. I, I had a similar approach to it too, and I don't always have all twenty two done, especially when for a position group like that are bigger. Uh, like CBs and wide receivers. Like I haven't gone through all 22 by the time the combine happens. Right. But yeah. I have probably the top 15 to 20 that are ranked off of what I've seen live. So I usually start there and that's fine. You know, I, I, I do look at the numbers a little bit more and then I try to round it out. But the interesting thing to me is I had the same impression. He felt mm. on film thin to me. He felt like in contact, he got bumped around a little bit more than I liked. But it was that recovery and how quick that he was able to turn and get back to where he needed to be. Um, recovery speed was one of the things that I pointed out in my notes the most. And I kept coming back to it because that's what helps you make up reps, right? He ended up being number six on the list. So Wilson top Stokes, Robert Rochelle, who's playing pretty well as a rookie as well. I like yeah. pointing him out. And then uh, Malifon, the huge dude, um, <laughs> Obi's yeah. brother. The 6'4 corner, 6'4. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then came Newsom, and Newsom's the guy right now leading the NFL rookie class in PBUs with seven. So he and Sertan mm. are clearly the guys that you had nailed out front in your top three. Uh, I had Newsom third, so I think all these guys are kind of about where we thought, you know, a little bit back and forth. And if yeah. it wasn't for the injury, I would think that Horn would be right up there with them as well. Right. Now, want to talk about the fourth guy on my list, and we'll see where he is with you, but Caleb Farley. And he was a guy who, it, it was clear. I, I remember watching him and everybody would ask me like, what do you think about Farley? What do you think about him? And obviously again, with him, like, like Newsom, Newsom missed a lot of time with injuries. Uh, yeah. Same with Farley, had some injury questions there. And one of them was like his back, I believe it was. And I was like, okay, yeah. that, that worries me a little bit, having some back injuries there, especially at that young of an age. But he was a freak, right? 6'2", 200 pounds. You, you can just see he, there was a lot of like rawness with him, but he was the most freakish when it, you know, when that ball was in the air, how he was able to close on it. Uh, the only thing I could really compare it to, and I'm not saying he was this guy, but Deion Sanders, like when, when the ball was in the air and how Deion Sanders would swoop in and pick the mm -hmm. ball off and attack the ball in the air, like that was what it looked like with Caleb Farley. I was like, okay, this guy is freakish. Um, and he had the size. There was a lot of rawness, and I also have these questions about, okay, how much work is he willing to put in to improve on those things? You know, J.C. Horn. I had a lot of intel with J.C. Horn, whether it was one of my buddies that I had played with or his trainer. I'm good with his trainer. Yeah. So I knew how he worked, his work ethic, all that, and it was off the charts. Wasn't so sure with Caleb Farley. So was he going to be a guy that just relied on pure athleticism at the next level? If that's the case, then he might not hit his ceiling and be as good as we think. But if he does refine it, I, and I tweeted this out, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about him being a top three corner in all of the NFL in the next, you know, in as little as soon as three three years. So mm -hmm. he had that type of big time upside, and I know why people are really intrigued with him. But the injuries and not sure about the the rawness and how he would overcome that. And he was kind of fairly new to the receiver position. I mean, corner position. I believe he played receiver to come in to Virginia Tech, and I think in college, and high school. Yeah. Yeah, he was a receiver, and he kind of transitioned the corner. And I think in high school, he was actually like a quarterback, I believe it was. So a lot of transitioning going on there. But 
I mean, one of the more talented guys in this class. What, what were some of your thoughts on Caleb Farley? You know, I was very similar. He was my fourth guy as well. Uh, but I had dropped him down out of the first round into the top of the second in the top tier, that first 10 picks because of the injury thing. Also a guy that I felt didn't quite have the frame to take on and press well against, you know, the Devonte Adams of the NFL. We'll see if that happens or if he tends to fill out as he gets a little bit older too. If I remember right, I thought he was kind of a, a young junior for his age. So maybe he's got a little bit more room to grow too, yeah. but I had him right in the same area as you. I just, I couldn't put that faith in because was there his work ethic or longevity? I couldn't couldn't tell. A back injury is scary, right? You can't do anything yeah. with a back injury. So, and and we've seen now he's played, but he's he's gotten hurt again. Um, I don't think it's back related, though. If I saw correctly, it was. I think it was an ACL or Achilles. Mm -hmm. It was one of those. I probably should have wrote that down before we talked about it. But he's out for the year, you know. And yeah. this is not anything new to him. He tore his ACL, I believe, uh, early on in college, uh, missed time, and then obviously had the back injury. And I think the back thing kind of happened twice. And and the second time his injury happened, I mean, he wasn't even playing. And he still had an injury. Uh, you know, still was able to go and, and run on his pro day and everything and did exceptionally well. But, yeah, this is a guy that definitely has a lot of little scary red marks. But the upside is just so, so big that, you you know, you would like to see, you know, what he could potentially be. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now we got to get on to a couple of the other guys, the guys that were question marks and see where we came out as well as a shout out to a couple of guys that I think are outplaying expectations. We'll do that when we get back. Hey, Locked On NFL Draft fans. This is your host, Eric Crocker, and with here an incredible app for everyone who buys gas. All right, and I'm pretty sure that's most of you guys right now. You're probably listening to this in your car. If you are, get the Get Upside app. All right, my listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas Every time they fill up, just download the Get Upside app right now in your app store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Now, don't pay full prices at a pump ever again. Get cash back by using Get Upside. And again, just download the app right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first full tank. Now, some people who drive a lot, I mean, they're making up to two, $300 cash back every month, and there's no catch to it. It's really easy to get the cash back. You can check out at any time. All right, now, how do you do that? You, ca you cash in by uh, using your bank account, your PayPal, your e-gift card, your Amazon, or any other brands that you have. So right now, what I'm going to need you guys to do, download the GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents uh, a gallon cash back on your first full tank. Again, that's promo code touchdown. All right, Ryan, this is it. Let's talk about a little bit where these guys are right now. And I think we want to start with some of these guys are a little banged up. JC Horn, yeah. Caleb Farley, they're, they're done. Now, JC Horn, it was a foot injury. And at the time that he got hurt, you know, I, I saw a trend in what they were doing with him. We've seen this trend with, uh, with, with our guy uh, Jalen Ramsey, where he's starting to play a little bit more of that that star position. They 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 will play him outside, but they'll play him inside as well. While I look up, I'm watching the Carolina Panthers play, and next thing I know, I see J.C. Horn playing all over. He's playing in that slot, playing on the outside, and to me, it just showed like, yeah, okay, he is what I thought he was gonna be, uh, you know, and just that accepting, you know, accepting like just that role and taking that on and really being the alpha male in that. Uh, locker room as a, a rookie cornerback 
on a team that had some veterans, on a team that had a guy like uh, Jackson from LSU who had been there multiple years. But J.C. Horn came in. They're like, this is the guy. We're going to use him all these different ways. But then it resulted in the injury. So that's unfortunate. Then Caleb Farley, I believe he got hurt in practice. I don't even think it was a game. But uh, that's a guy that – you said what? I thought it was. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a game. But it just ended up – getting hurt and yep. missing the rest of the year. And that was something that people were worried a little bit about him because of his uh, injury history before. But a couple guys that aren't hurt as Patrick Satane and Greg Newsom. And I know you, you talked about it already. Greg Newsom leading all rookies and pass deflections. Mm-hmm. And then Sertan yeah. is second, right? So that's, that's yeah. a great boon for what you're doing. And it's funny because another another guy that got a lot of hype real early, he settled down a little bit. But this was the debate for me, like a little bit farther down the list. I think these guys, they were CBs six and seven for me in this last draft. And it was Asante Samuel Jr., who was number two in the Hawk rate. And you guys, if you haven't seen Rogue Analytics yet, Hawk rate is a combination of how any DB plays the ball what he takes it away. It's about being a ball hawk, right? And so number one was J.C. Horn in that class, but number two was Asante Samuel Jr. And he started out like that, right? Had a couple of interceptions. I think he's still leading the rookie class in interceptions. He's also given up more touchdowns than anybody else as well. So like there's there's a back and forth again, like a, a risk versus reward there, right? But I was really intrigued by his size, his ability to go inside out. I think that's proven out pretty well. I'd have to take a look at where he's lining up. But him and Elijah Molden from Washington, a guy that I think is better at safety than he is a corner, they both seem to be coming on and playing for what are the smaller guys in the league. I think playing a significant role, does that surprise you? And and where did you have them? No, I I really liked them. Definitely had Asante Samuel higher than uh, Elijah Molden. Uh, Samuel, he checked all the boxes from an athletic standpoint. Then just watching him, how much he played on the outside. There were a lot of people that were thinking maybe he would be a nickel in the NFL, mm-hmm. at the NFL level. But I was like, man, if somebody chooses to play Matt Nickel, then he can. But he was someone who I really liked on the outside, whether it's playing off coverage. I thought he was scrappy playing press coverage. I watched him against guys like Diami Brown in the end zone, breaking up passes. So he wasn't afraid to get dirty with the bigger guys. So that was something I really liked from Asante Samuel. But when it came to Elijah Molden, I just thought on film, he lacked that vertical speed a little mm-hmm. It. So there were people that were really high on him and they were expecting him to go high. And I was like, oh, he's more of a fourth round guy just because he lacks that speed. And then not only does he lack the speed vertically, but he also doesn't have the size. So when you kind of combine those two things and he's probably going to be pigeonholed into being a nickel, I thought he'd be really good there, but thought he would drop a little bit mm-hmm. in the draft. But I really like what I saw, especially I paid attention to him a lot in the preseason. I thought he was somebody who was scrappy and he was fighting with guys down there, getting in the mix. Everything that was on film at Washington, you know, showed those things as well to be able to kind of be scheme versatile and do different things where those playing man and have some short area quickness. So really liked him. Uh, and all these guys, man, I'm really intrigued to see how they do moving forward. You know what's really interesting to me? Sante Samuel is the taller player by three-eighths of an inch. And Molden is heavier. At least they were at the combine when they weighed in at 12 yeah. pounds heavier. And I agree with you. I, I was concerned about his long speed as well. He was a zone corner for me, but more specifically, yeah. he was a robber type safety. And that's what I think will be his niche in this league. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how the rest of this cornerback group does as they move forward. And we'll get into some of these other guys too, like the Tyson Campbells and guys like that, that are a little slept on Tyson Campbell. He's been starting 
all year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think they liked them so much that they said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and uh, trade away this guy, CJ Henderson, that we drafted ninth overall. We're not going to worry about him. We're going to plug, uh, you know, Tyson Campbell right in there. And a Tyson Campbell who, again, like I said, played high school football with uh, Patrick Satan. They started on the same secondary. But a guy who the Jaguars were talking about cross-training as not just an outside guy, but a nickel guy as well. So curious to see how he, you know, continues to play. But, man, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on NFL Draft. Uh, we got, yeah, can't wait till next Tuesday to see what guys we end up getting into, but we really appreciate you guys for making us your first listen of the day. If you haven't already, make sure after you listen to this, go listen to Locked On NFL Chiefs with my guy, Ryan Tracy, and also Locked On NFL Draft with myself and my co-host, Brian Peacock. But till next time, see you guys. Peace.